0: Welcome to the Destiny Church 217 podcast, where we share the Sermon of the Week from Destiny Church. After the message, check out the show notes for links and more information on how to get connected with Destiny. Let's get into the message. Well, we're going to talk about Christmas gifts today, and um, I have three of them here, and they are gold, frankincense, and myrrh. These are the gifts. This is real gold. This is real frankincense. And it's real myrrh. You'll be able to come up and take a look at it. Typically, um, I uh, have this out on Christmas Eve. And some people are asking about it. So I'll have it here. You can take a look at it um, at the end of today's service. Uh, My wife and I, every year, we... We say, oh, we're not going to exchange Christmas presents. And then I always get one because I'm not going to be the one that doesn't get one. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I've been down that road. I've been married 37 years, my friend. The let's not get Christmas presents ends up being me not getting a Christmas present because you said you didn't want a present. Well, you should have known I wanted to. And so, so, so I'm, not, I'm not falling for that ever again. Last night, the wife, you know, we we're watching something. She, was, she goes, we're not doing presents this year. I says, it's too late. I already I got you something. I don't know. I, I looked up... Uh, electronics seem to be the number one gift of the season for the last couple years. Charging stations. Have you seen this commercial now for, t- for, for couches that have charging stations built into the couch? Yeah, awesome. <laughs> Talk about lazy, man. That's crazy. <laughs> Anyways, of course, jewelry, all, all that that goes with that. And, um, you know, those are... The, but I know how it is as parents, you know. I, 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 I got socks and underwear as a kid. That was... A little bit of a downer, but, you know, sometimes you got to do what you got to do, When we had four kids in our family, single income, and so, uh, I, I think a good toy, which needs to make a resurgence, is Lincoln Logs. Yes. There's a lot of crea- creativity with Lincoln Logs. I'm not, you know, Illinois prejudice or anything, but Lincoln made some good logs, and they need to be played with, <laughs> you know? And uh, uh, Legos, anybody ever get a puppy for Christmas? A couple puppies for Christmas. You, did you get Eden for Christmas? Did you? Oh, cool. For me, my all-time favorite Christmas present ever, I was probably about, well, I got my BB gun when I was 10. That ranks high. That was, that's a close, close second. But my number one favorite, you can only imagine, was a tape recorder because it came with a microphone. Right? <laughs> so you're walking around recording conversations when you're 10. What would that have been, 1972? You know, that was pretty high-tech little cassette you know, You rewind with your finger. Right? Push play and record. Praise the Lord. That, that was my favorite. That was my favorite. And the thing about Jesus which is weird, he got Christmas presents and birthday presents on the same day. He he started the whole thing, you know, so that was kind of cool, and of course, these are the presents that were brought to him. So we're gonna start there this morning and just have a brief conversation about these. It's found in Matthew chapter two, if you have your Bible, the first couple verses. I have it for the screen if you wanna follow along. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem, in Judea, that's the region, during the time of King Herod, so we know when he was born, Magi, which is just the, The fancy word for wise people, wise men. So it's the same thing. Magi means wise men. And they came from where? East of wherever Jesus was born. So east of Bethlehem. Many say Iraq. Some say Iran. Some say as far as India, perhaps, is where these uh, men came from. And they asked, Where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? See, we saw a star in the east. They got to understand, in the east, that's where they came from. They didn't see it in the east. They were in the east. They saw it when they were in the east. It can be a little confusing. So we saw the star in the east, back where they lived, and they have come, we've come to worship, meaning what? He's a king, and in those days, deity, right? So verse three. So when King Herod heard this, he was, I would say, a little bit disturbed, yes? Why? Because only Caesar is king. Right? So if you serve the king and somebody else comes in and says, hey, there's a new king, that's not going to go over well. And so Herod had, had an issue with that. So all of Jerusalem with him, verse 4, when he called together all the people's chiefs, priests and the teachers of the law, he asked them where their Christ, and the Hebrew word would be Messiah, because Christ and Messiah are the same words, just in different languages. Christ is the Greek word, Messiah is the Hebrew word, and they mean the same thing, the anointed one. So when King Herod heard, he was disturbed, and all drew some with him, when he called all the, chief, the people's chief priests and the teachers, the scribes and the Pharisees of the law, he asked them where, okay, okay, guys, okay, religious people, I need to find this, this so-called king. Tell me where in your sacred writings this king of the Jews is supposed to be born. Verse 5, they replied, in Bethlehem, in the region of Judea. Now this has happened in Jerusalem. So Bethlehem is about 25 miles uh, south, and, uh, south and west of Jerusalem. It's only about 25 miles away in Bethlehem and Judea. They replied, for this is what the prophet, what prophet? This is from the prophet Micah. This is what the prophet has written. Verse six. But you Bethlehem, ba'it lachem, ba'it is is house, lachem is uh, uh, um, of bread. So Jesus, who is the bread of life, was born in a town whose name is the house of bread. Ba'it lachem means house of bread. So this is where Jesus was born in this town. So he he's born in Bethlehem, the land of Judea, and by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler. This is the prophet Micah saying this. For out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people, Israel. Then, now Herod gets this information. He called these wise men, these magi secretly, and found out from them, hey, when did you see this star? So when was this kid born? And so he sent them to Bethlehem, and he said, go and make a careful search for that child, and as soon as you find him, dot, 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 liar, liar, pants on fire, report to me so that what? I can go worship him? That's not going to happen. That's not what Herod wants to do. Herod wants to kill the child. Verse nine, after they had heard the king, they went on their way and the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them still. And then until it stopped over the place where the child was. Time out, just a minute. They've traveled since he was born and they're about to end up, you can leave that. They're about to end up at a house, not the manger. So I remember this is man, a long time ago, 10, about 10, 15 years ago, I had a porcelain nativity scene, you know, the beautiful ones that we had back there, but this was much bigger. And I had the three wise men that are always typically at your little nativity scene or whatever. And I had a hammer and I beat up. I just crunched these three wise men because it's not biblical that the wise men are at the manger scene, according to the chronology of scripture. They didn't show up till way after he was born. How do I know this? Well, let's look. Verse 10. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. So, on coming to the what, the house. So they're not at the manger anymore because this child has been born. They've traveled, and now they're at the house where Mary and Joseph and the baby are at. And when they saw this child with his mother Mary, they did what? They prostrated themselves. They that mean words means to bow down. And they did what? Here's these wise men worshiping. Jesus, And then they opened their treasures and presented him with the gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream, praise the Lord for dreams. Dreams are not just something you always blow off. Warned in a dream not to go back to Herod. What did they do? They returned to their country by another route because they were wise men, right? So let's start with a, a pre, a pre uh, a presumption to to say that everything in the Bible is there for a reason. Of all the things that could be in here, it's important that we know that everything in here is significant to us. There's nothing that's just insignificant. Everything has significance to us. And so when I think about all of the gifts that these wealthy wise men from the East could have brought I don't think of a couch with a charging station in it, you know. I mean, think of all the things that they could have brought. All the really cool things of that day they could have brought. These are the three gifts that they brought. Now, also a little bit of a caveat here. We, we have always traditionally said there are three wise men, but never do we have in the scripture that it was three wise men. All we have is that there was three gifts. So we assume there were three wise men and that's how we end up with wise men, three of them. But there could have been four who brought you know a bottle of essential oil or something. (laughs) It could have been five, who knows? But what we do know about these wise men is what? They weren't Jews, they were Gentiles. That's important. Because they were going, wait a second, we're, in the context of the day, we're heathen, according to Jewish tradition, we're uncircumcised Philistines, if you will. Colloquially speaking. So we're we're Gentiles, but we've come to worship this king, who is obviously not more than a king, he's deity, because they fall down and they worship him. Very important. So he's, he's worthy of these gifts. What they brought, we're gonna talk about here in a second. The book of Isaiah, when describing Jerusalem's restoration, tells of the nations and the kings who will come proclaiming with praises of the Lord. This is Isaiah 60, verse six. They will come, the kings of the earth, they will come bearing gold and incense and proclaiming the praise of the Lord. That's Isaiah 66, 60 verse six, second half of that verse. That's really cool because frankincense is incense, but myrrh can also be burnt and be an incense as well. So it's a fulfillment of prophecy that these are the gifts that these kings should bring. So I want to take just a couple minutes. We won't be long. We're going to unpack these gifts and look into them uh, bit by bit. The gold, which I have here, it's actually gold leaf floating around in this, uh, this fluid, is significant. And I'm, I'm going to tell you, I think we have been misled again by every children's pageant play that it's ever been and every little story we've seen on television, or whatever, that, that this, is, this is the size of the container that they brought. You're coming to worship the God of the universe and you go, I got a little gift for you. <laughs> I don't think that's how it goes. Not when you meet a king. When you meet a king, I mean, let's say... The president, like him or lump him, any president, pick your favorite one. They come over to your house for dinner. Are you going to give them, you know, the cold leftovers from last week? Or are you going to give them the best you can? The best you can, right? So here are these wise men. They travel all this way. What are they bringing? We know what they're bringing. Do we know what amount of these things that they're bringing? Well, we have a little insight. If you remember the story of the Queen of Sheba. Queen of Sheba, Sheba is an area south of Arabia and right now that country's name is Yemen. So in Saudi Arabia, all the way at the bottom of Saudi Arabia, there's a country called Yemen. That's Sheba. That's the region of Sheba. So Sheba, the queen of that region, heard about another king. That king's name was Solomon, and she wanted to go talk to him because she heard he was so smart and heard about all the great things that he had in his, oh, my, wa- my daughter is waving her hands, so if you need prayer, you can go back now to children's church. Okay? We'll continue. So the queen of Sheba is from Yemen and this is what she brought. First number, uh, 1 Kings 10, verse number one. When the queen of Sheba heard about the fame, do we have this text? Wonderful. When uh, the queen of Sheba heard about the fame of Solomon and his relation to the name of the Lord, she came to tell him and to test him with some hard questions. So arriving at Jerusalem, watch, verse two, watch. Arriving at Jerusalem with a very, Great caravan of camels carrying spices, large quantities of gold and precious stones. So here's, here's a queen coming to meet a king for the first time. She's going to bring him gifts. She, these things were packed on camels, large amounts, it says. So how much did the wise men bring? Let's keep reading. So she came to Solomon, talked to him about all that she had on her mind, and Solomon answered all of her questions. Nothing was too hard for that king to explain to her. And when the queen of Sheba saw all the wisdom and Solomon, had a palace that he had built, the food on his table, the seating of his officials, the attending servants, and the servants' robes, and even his cupbearer, uh, and the burnt offerings that he made at the temple of the Lord, she was overwhelmed. She said to the king, I report, I heard, The report I heard in my own country about your achievements and your wisdom is true. But I did not believe these things until I came and saw it with my own eyes. And indeed, not even half what was told me in wisdom and wealth have you far exceeded the report that I have heard. How happy your men must be, how happy your officials who continually stand before you and hear your wisdom. Praise be to the Lord your God who has delighted you and placed you in the throne of Israel. Because of the Lord's eternal love for Israel, he has made you king to maintain justice and righteousness. They brought a substantial gift. My point is, these wise men from afar probably didn't bring a little cigarette box full of uh, crushed resin of frankincense and myrrh, or just a few flakes of gold. They probably bought, brought a lot. Have you thought why? Well, I think speculation, and I always want to tell you up front, I, don't have, I, I want to have Bible, right? But what happens immediately after the wise men leave? They told, obviously, they told, or they insinuated to Mary and Joseph what Herod wanted them to do. But then an angel comes to Mary and Joseph and says, listen, you got to get out of here because Herod's going to try to kill your son. So you got to go where? Do you know where they fled? Say Egypt. Look really smart. They fled to Egypt. He's a carpenter in the, in the middle of the Middle East. And now he's got to go all the way to Egypt hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of miles through the desert. How can a poor carpenter get his family all the way there unless he had a satchel or two full of gold? Interesting. Just speculation. But could it be that the wise men financed the flight of Jesus from Israel to Egypt? So here it is, uh, verse 13 of Matthew 2. When they had gone, an angel of the Lord, they meaning the wise men, when they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. He said, hey guys, get up. Take this child and his mother, escape to Egypt. Stay there until you, stay there until I tell you for that Herod is going to search for this child to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt. I like that he did it right away. Well, let me think about that. No, no, when the Lord tells you to do something, ladies and gentlemen, you do it as soon as you can, okay? Rarely does he say, I want you to do this, but don't do it for another three or four years. No, when the time has come, he tells you what to do and you need to do it. So he got up, took the child, verse 15, where they stayed until, oh, this is interesting, until the death of Herod. So Herod was reigning and we know when he fled and we know when they came back, it's somewhere around two to three years. The first two to three years of Jesus' life was spent in Egypt. I've been to Egypt. I've seen Christian churches dedicated to Jesus in Egypt, in Cairo especially. That's something I find that interesting. And so it was to fulfill what the Lord had said to the prophet. This is Hosea chapter 11, verse one. Out of Egypt, I called my son. How in the world did God arrange that? Isn't that amazing? Another fulfillment of prophecy. So when Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the wise men, the magi, he was furious. And he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were what? Two years and under. Because he doesn't know exactly when he was born. We don't know exactly what, Harry doesn't know exactly when he was born. So he just kind of backs up in time. And he says, we're going to bracket off these 24 months, these two years, any child that's two years old. Think of this, any, I've been to Bethlehem. Think of the the blood that ran in that town when the Roman soldiers came in and knocked on your door and said, do you have any children? How old are they? Two, bring them to me. Cut their head off right in the street. Gold is what they brought, probably to finance that trip. Common people, oh, they dealt in salt and herbs and animals and spices and small silver coins, you know, the widow's mite. But gold, that's the metal of kings. It's rare, difficult to find, hard to accumulate, doesn't rust, doesn't corrode. It's malleable, it shapes even very thin sheets. That's what God directed the Ark of the Covenant to be covered in. I spent a lot of time in here this week, but if you want to check it out in Exodus chapter twenty-five, I started highlighting. You were be able to see. I started highlighting all the times that God said when He when He created the Ark and the Temple, all the all the the plates, gold, the candlestick, gold, the the menorah, the the um, the altar, all. Covered in gold, covered in gold. The pole that the curtain of the, the divided of the holy of holies covered in gold. Anything that was wooden covered in gold. Gold, ladies and gentlemen. This is the commodity of the king. King Solomon had a lot of gold. First Kings ten fourteen. The weight of the gold that Solomon received as his yearly salary, if you will, is six hundred and sixty talents. That may not seem a lot until you realize a talent is 75 pounds. Right, so you multiply that out, you got 50 pounds of gold. That was his salary. Well, that's what he earned in taxes probably. So you take 50,000 pounds of gold times six, this is the math, I did it, times 16 ounces per pound. Now you have 800,000 ounces and let's figure $2,000 an ounce, somewhere between $1,800 and $2,000 an ounce right now is the uh, spot price of gold, Solomon collected each year $1.6 billion. That's a lot of gold. Hands down, gold is the symbol of kings. Except Jesus said the golden rule is due unto others. The world says, what's the golden rule? He who has the gold makes the rules. That's the golden rule in the world, right? That's the way, it, that's the way they ran He who has the gold makes the rules. That's the golden rule of the world. But Jesus came to turn everything right side up, right? He says the golden rule is really this. Do unto others as you would have. Okay, I'm I'm far afield. So, prophetically, the gold represented that Jesus was not only the king, but he was the king of all kings. Secondly, the gift of frankincense. Frankincense is... uh, A white, it's more white in color, has a beautiful smell. Uh, When it's just resin uh, uh, from the tree, it doesn't smell. But when you burn it, um, it smells really, really nice. Creates a lot of smoke. Those of you who come from uh, the Catholic tradition or you're familiar with the Catholic tradition, as the priest, he waves that censer, it's called. What's in there? Some coals, and then they dump frankincense on there and that smell if I were to burn this and you come from a Catholic tradition it would take you right back to wherever it was when you smell it's one of those things you know like mom's pumpkin pie you just know that smell so it was a golden it was in the censer so let's talk about frankincense for a second of course it's the resin from a tree but I want to give you a quick bible lesson to remind you kings kings in the bible come from a certain lineage they come from the tribe of Judah the lion from the tribe of Judah. But priests don't come from the line of Judah. Priests come from the line of Levi. So in, ruling, in the ruling class of Israel of the day, you had priests and you had kings. They came from two different tribes. It's kind of like there's a separation of powers. This tribe ran these religious sides of things, and this tribe ran the, the everyday laws of the land. So what happens here is that there comes together a combining of these two prophetic symbols, Jesus proclaiming both to be the king because of the gold, but now this frankincense comes on the scene. Well, a king, in Luke chapter one, verse 32, he will be great and he will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will what? He will reign why? Because he's the king. Who are we talking about prophetically? The king of kings. We're talking about Jesus. This is his role as the king. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. But this thing about being a priest in frankincense, we're going to go there, 1 Timothy two five. for there is one God and one mediator, that's a priest between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. So we have A coming together, a merging of priest and king. Up until this point, we've never had that before because Jesus is prophet, priest, and king. So this is really, really important because one of the principal ministries of the high priest was to do what? To minister in the tabernacle, to minister in the temple. And what was one of their main tools? It was this frankincense. For two reasons. Number one, it was always burning. And it was always burning where? Now, if you remember the layout of the tabernacle, I'm not here to to tell you all of this, but you start, you will enter his gates with thanksgiving into the courts, the outer court, with praise. Then you see right in front of you, you see a altar. You make your sacrifice of your bull or your goat or whatever. It's a very bloody thing. Then you have the labor. You have the the basins to wash yourself there. This is all happening in the outer court. But then when you come into the inner court, I'm not talking about the Holy of Holies yet. We're just on the inner court where the priests get to ministry. You have a table over here made covered in gold with gold plates with 12 loaves of bread. That's the table of showbread. Over here, you have another table covered in gold. It has a menorah, a, a lamp stand. And by lamp, it's not candles. They're like oil lamps. And it's a stand that holds the lamps right there. And then right there in front of you, before you can go into the Holy of Holies, there's another altar. So in the temple, in the tabernacle, there's two altars. The altar out here, what we always hear about is this altar where we make sacrifice, a very bloody mess. But when you get into the presence of the inner court, there's another, there's another altar. And this altar is about, about yay big, has horns on the corners of the altar, and on that altar is a fire, and on that fire goes only one thing, and that's the incense, the mixture of frankincense. It was, the, it was the high priest's responsibility to make sure that kept burning all the time. For two reasons. Number one, it represents the prayers of the saints. We know that from the book of Revelation. I may or may not have that scripture for you. Do I have that scripture? Good, there it is. An angel of the Lord, golden censer, came and stood at the altar. He has given much incense to offer. And the prayers of God's people on the golden altar in front of the throne are the prayers of the people. And everything here in the earthly tabernacle is representative of what of what is in heaven. It's just a prototype, right? So these, this incense represents prayers, but there's also commentators that will tell you that the smoke from that thing would, would waft to the Holy of Holies and make it impossible to really see with clarity the Ark of the Covenant. Because if you see God, you die in this economy, right? So that's, this is a tool. This frankincense is only, if you made this and you weren't a priest, you were subject to die. That's serious. So it's like, hey, man, I got some, fr- hey, man, I got some frankincense. You want some frankincense? <laughs> no, you get caught with frankincense and you're not a priest, what happens? Done. This is how important this particular resin, this particular incense is. So when the, when the three wise men show up with gold, yeah, obviously king, what, what's with the frank? obviously priesthood, because that's all, that's all who could possess that. Otherwise it was the death penalty for you. Pretty significant. All right. We got to move ahead. Finally, uh, fine. Let's just do myrrh. Myrrh, which is really cool. It's also a resin and you can come up and look at this later. It's a little bit more reddish in tinge, um, and, uh, can be turned into an incense as we talked about prophetically that we, from uh, Isaiah 60, verse six earlier. But primarily in in this day and age, it was used for embalming dead people. King, priest, gonna die. Think about the prophetic implications of that, right? Watch this. In John chapter 19, verse 38, later, Joseph of Arimathea, who, purchased the, who provided the tomb in which Jesus was buried, he asked, he was a wealthy man, by the way, he asked Pilate for the body of Jesus. Now, Joseph was a disciple of Jesus, secretly, because he, you know, he was on the DL. So now Joseph was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly, because he feared the Jews, with Pilate's permission, he came and he took the body away. He was accompanied by who? A, a, a person from the Sanhedrin, a pharisee Nicodemus who was also in John chapter 3 in John 3:16 Jesus said to Nicodemus what you must be born again John 3:16 So these two men Joseph Arimathea, and Nicodemus they who earlier visited Jesus at night Nicodemus brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes about 75 pounds I have not lifted 75 pounds lately. I know some of you are much more buff than me, but 50 pound bags of salt for the water softener is about as big as I'm going to get. You know what I'm saying? 50 pounds, 75 pounds. Here's two guys hauling 72 pounds of myrrh. And now, why? Because they're going to wrap, verse 40, taking Jesus' body, the two men wrapped it with the spices and strips of linen that was in accordance with the Jewish burial customs. All right. I've never been to a baby shower. I guess it's now it's a thing where guys go to baby showers. Please, if you ever do that, guys, don't tell me. I will take your man card. <laughs> so so, so I, I, I'm not playing those little games, you know, where they pour a can of beans into a diaper and all that kind of crazy. I don't know what you do there, but I've heard. It's crazy stuff, ladies. So you're at this party, you know, where there's all that stuff, and the mints, mints and finger food, I guess, is what's served. Um, again, this is just, I'm speculating. That's what's served. But I've heard that this is what happens, right? So then there's, oh, and then the pregnant woman, and, or maybe they're there I got the baby, I don't know. And, and so now it comes, my wife has given many a, a, a baby shower gifts, and And so on and so forth. And, you know, you take diapers, diapers. Diapers is a biggie, right? Disposable diapers. Um, uh, I got lots of stories I don't have time for, man. This is, I got flashbacks with baby showers. I got so many baby shower stories. Anyway, so, so, uh, uh, so then it comes time to open the presents and you know, someone's writing it down and and they're opening up the presents and thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's going to be so wonderful. And, and, and and so you get this present and you open it up. Here you are, mom, you're opening up the present. It's a, it's an envelope and you open it up and someone has bought you a burial plot for your baby. That's kind of a downer (laughs) gift, right? This is what happened at the baby shower when the wise men showed up. One of them showed up with gold. Write that down. Wise man number one, gold, send him a card. Frankincense. I don't get that, but uh, you know the priest will appreciate it. Boom, write that down, frankincense. What's this? Uh, a death warrant? A burial plot for your child? I mean, honestly, we are all in the process of dying the moment we're born, if you think about it. It's just, it's just you're born, hallelujah, that's the... It all is downhill from there. Let me tell you, just, I'm trying not to encourage it today. <laughs> I mean, you're over the hill the moment you're born because it's all like that till you die. But what a stark reminder for Mary. I mean, when the, the baby shower, the, the three wise men show up and, and, and th- she's given a gift which is used for the embalming of dead people. A bottle of formaldehyde. Why would you give that to me? you know that Mary's name is derived from the word myrrh? Jesus is the lamb that was slain from the creation of the world, Revelation 13. What could be more antithetical than these two awesome gifts, king and priest, than to bring myrrh? it reveals to us that there was a death that was impending. Gold proclaimed his kinghood. Frankincense announced his high priest. But this myrrh. I I want to just bring your attention to one final thought that's unrelated to gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Because as I was praying and thinking about these gifts, And how this all unfolded, it reminded me that God is still in control of national leaders and world events. He is still directing the world. God allowed these wise men to go straight to Herod, a pompous king, in search for the real king. God, the creator, set that star in the sky and appointed those wise men all the way to Bethlehem. Every twist and turn of the story surrounding Christ's birth, God's hand overrules everything. Our God who made earth, sky, and the stars had a plan. And I can, I can watch enough news just to figure out the world's, Pretty chaotic place right now. Now, with another variant, another variant. Write <laughs> down the Greek alphabet, but we skip over certain letters. The world's in chaos. It's not always easy trusting God in times like this, but God is in control. Why? Because your peace lies in the prince of peace. Not if whether or not Herod is the king or Biden is the president or Trump is the president or J.B. Pritzker is your governor. God raises these people up. Why? I don't always know the answers to why. I'm only told to trust and obey for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus than to trust and obey. The wise men experienced God's sovereignty leading them. Can't explain it. But this is what I was left with. You and I can know the one who guided the star. And there is a star in your life. There's a north star. It's the word of God. Jesus manifests himself in the pages of the scripture. And if you're lost, there's only one way to be found, and that's through Jesus. He said of himself, I am the way. If you're wondering what the truth is, CNN, Fox News, MSNBC, every one of them is not true. Every one of them bends the story to their own perspective, like you did when you were seven, trying to blame it on your sister, to think that someone comes to any story without an objective is just fooling yourself. So it's 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 important for us to know the truth. So he is the way, the truth, and he is the life. There is more to life than what you're experiencing. If there isn't, you just ought to cash in your chips right now. I mean, when you're serving God and it's an awesome day and it's going great, that's still not everything he is. (laughs) I mean, at my highest mountaintop experience of understanding God, having revelation of who he is, having him direct my life, that's still just a smidgen of who he is and what he can do. There's more. If you believe he is who he says he is, there's more than what you have. This is why we come every Sunday morning and we're hungry. It's what drives Ryan to tears when he does water baptisms. I can't even get any better than getting water baptized. Oh yeah, it, it can. <laughs> I can't get any better than, uh, yes, it can. And you don't, you, don't look for the, you don't look for the next high. You look for the most high. Because in the most high is your next high. That's better than anything you've ever experienced in a needle, in a bottle, or a pill. His name is Jesus. So follow him. He's worth it all. It's the challenge that we have this Christmas season when the world beats the drum of spend, spend, spend. When the world beats the drum of the new commercial that I just saw yesterday on today is that Santa Claus is gay. Santa Claus has a gay lover now and there's a commercial of him kissing a guy. Yeah, it's on it's on. Uh, it's on TV. On today's show. Thank you, sir. No problem. <laughs> Is nothing sacred? Of course not. I mean I mean, if you're a if, if I mean there's nothing better than a gay Santa Claus if you're in that camp. But we're not of that camp. Listen, I'm not anti Santa Claus, but Santa Claus didn't die for me. Saint Nicholas was a real person. Explain that to your kids. But don't be leaving out. Cookies for somebody that's not real. I'm just telling you that. Because if you lie to them about that, they just might think you're lying to them about Jesus. Because at some point, you're going to have to tell them, I was pulling your leg the whole time. I'm just being, hand to heaven, honest with you, ladies and gentlemen. little parenting tip 101. Of course, Hannah ruined kindergarten for a lot of kids. But she knew that everything I told her was the truth from the get. So. Wow, I'm literally looking forward. Christmas Eve service, don't miss it. It just gets better and better every year. It's just an hour long. And according to Aaron, it's on the 24th this year. So I'm very excited about that. I'm very excited about that. So praise the Lord. Why don't you stand up with me today? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm going to set these down here where you can come take a look at these after the service if you're at all interested what they are. I'm going to ask that Miles, whoever you have organized to help, if you'd come up this side, that side is just awash with water. So if you have your ornament this morning, we're going to ask that you come up this side, form a line, and then these guys will help you. You can go down that way, but there's also stairs here and here. But if you traverse that way... Uh, we'll have you sign a waiver before you do <laughs> because the possibility of you slipping is, is pretty good. All right. All right. All right, I have finished on time. You know that you never really run out of time. You just decide you're going to stop because time, time keeps going. You don't run out of time. And God can move in 90 minutes as well as he can move in three hours. I mean, we saw some pretty amazing things today with these water baptisms gave you an opportunity to worship the Lord. Here's some truth and revelation about the prophetic insights onto the gifts that these very wise men brought from the East. If you came all this way and you never heard the things that I've talked about, that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the light, well, you know, I've dabbled in this and I've dabbled in that. You can dabble in all you want. It's totally up to you. You have free choice. That's the way God made you. But he would that you would come to him Because when you do, you find no greater joy and no greater peace. He may not always change your circumstance immediately, but he changes your passport. He hands you a new passport. If you've ever traveled out of the country, passport's the most important document you could own. Because it says where you belong. I lost my passport when I lived in in Guatemala, but you're from Germany. You're from Norway. Not from America. Well, prove it. I can't without my document. So God says, you know what I'm going to do? I'm not going to just work you over like some leftover, you know, dish that you're, you know, pull out of the oven. We're going to fix you up and kind of make you kind of new and it'll seem our. No, he says, I'll make you brand new. I'll take your passport that was destined to send you to a place of darkness and torture and give you a place that is golden. Streets of gold. Streets of gold the most expensive thing in heaven is the blood of Jesus so father if there's someone here today that needs to turn their life to you for the very first time or maybe they've done it a few times and maybe hundreds of times but today is a recommitment moment this is your opportunity to bring a gift to the king what would I bring a king all you have to offer is brokenness and strife, but he'll make something beautiful out of that gift of your life. Give him your heart today. Just give him your heart. Say, God, I am gonna give myself to you. And you open the door of your heart and you say, Jesus, come in. Make me brand new today. I need a fresh start. I need your forgiveness. And I acknowledge that that you are the king of kings, the Lord of lords, the priest of all priests who suffered and died but rose again conquering death, hell and the grave. And so I put my faith in you today. I may not always do it perfect, but you're at the top of my list, Jesus. I will love and honor and serve you. If that's your heart this morning, just lift your hand to heaven. Father, we are making a commitment today, a recommitment today today. To serve you and to honor you through thick and thin the good days and the bad days you will be the lord of our lives and now may the peace of god the presence of the holy spirit and the name of jesus always be on your tongue may he lead you and guide you and give you peace in the name of the father in the name of the son jesus in the power of the holy spirit amen As we conclude this podcast, we want to take a moment to say thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this message, please consider subscribing to receive our weekly podcast on your device. Check out the show notes for links to our website, more information about this message, or to support our ministry. You've been listening to the Destiny Church 217 podcast, your place for real, relevant relationships.